Gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. I'm your host, JT, flying solo on this week's pod. Had a great time down at Compliance Solutions Championship Week. Down at Jimmy Austin, first ever Corn Ferry Tour event. The feeder tour to the PGA Tour will be down at Jimmy Austin, actually, the next four years. A five-year commitment from the title sponsor, And man, we had a blast. What a great, great laid back atmosphere to watch some guys absolutely ball out. I got to shout out my guy, Logie Mack. Unfortunately, did not play the third and fourth rounds after a very out of nowhere missed cut. However, I want to uh, tell him that 22 under as the winning score as predicted right here on the podcast. And when I played in the pro-am, with Logan, was absolutely accurate. These guys are so good, they can beat up even the most difficult of courses, and certainly Jimmy Austin was playing difficult last week. Adjacent to the event at our official home, Lincoln Park Golf Club, Monday Qualifier was hosted on the Monday leading in to the Compliance Solutions Championship And uh, it held up well, but they obviously tore it up because these guys, again, are so very good. Took a 62 to qualify into the event, and we want to show some love to Lincoln, mostly because the club championship at Lincoln is upon us. July 8th and 9th, a Saturday and Sunday, 18 holes on the east course on Saturday, 18 holes on the west course on Sunday would highly encourage those of you in the OKC Metro to get yourself signed up. It is always a very well-run event. I've played in it several times myself. Our guy Cam Jordan has played in it multiple times. Uh, Just an absolute joy to get some true competition out there. I would encourage you to go to okcgolf.com. Again, okcgolf.com. Click on Lincoln Park, and it will take you directly to a spot where you can register for this year's club championship again, July 8th and 9th. Again, flying solo here on the pod. Do have a guest will be joining us, Brandon Hoff, fresh off of his college career at ORU, gained a sponsor's exemption into the Compliance Solutions Championship through winning an event last fall while in college. Uh, Mark Lamert, the CEO of Compliance Solutions, an ORU alum himself, and wanted to show some love to that event. And it was awesome that an ORU guy hoisted the trophy and got to play. Uh, Got to actually play with Brandon. I believe it was on Corn Ferry Tour Media Day. Great guy, exchanged information, and uh, he gladly accepted the invite to jump on the podcast. Before we get to Brandon, just kind of want to go over what happened down in Norman. It was great that we were right there off the 18th when the eventual champion won Jimmy Stanger. And uh, at the beginning of the day, with Logie Mack out of the proceedings and not any OU or OSU guys really challenging for uh, contention, had to pick somebody out of that top 10, went with the Stang gang. And this guy delivered, although he didn't realize he delivered. It was absolutely an awesome moment. 
after he uh, got up and down for his birdie on the 18th hole, uh, a reachable par five there at Jimmy Austin. He walked off, did the normal shake hands with the caddies, shake hands with your playing partner, give the ball to the walking scorer, and somebody went up to him and told him, hey, dude, you just won. In fact, our very own founder, Keith Needham, kind of hollered that from our grandstand, and he literally couldn't believe it, broke down in tears. First win in 120 starts out on the Corn Ferry Tour. 28-year-old uh, Tampa, Florida native, I believe, played his college golf at uh, University of Virginia. Uh, literally hadn't looked at a leaderboard all Sunday, and again, even after that two-putt birdie, technically going out as one putt since he was just off the green. He was crowned the champion, and he wasn't convinced that 22-under was enough to get it done. Uh, awesome post-round interview there right on the 18th green as he was uh, accepting his fake oversized winner's check and his Oil Derrick-inspired Compliance Solutions Championship trophy. As always, these guys have a lot of great support from their friends out there. Uh, I think Dawson Armstrong and his buddy Jared Wolf, who has this great mustache, by the way. Really, they were trying to convince him, and yeah, you really did win. I kind of thought they were just cooling him down for a playoff when they were dousing him with water, but it uh, didn't really hit him until the, the final group came through, and again, he was the champ. So he's been out there for six years. Again, his 120th start on the Corn Ferry Tour. So impressive from Jimmy Stanger to get it done. Uh, again, very emotional in his acceptance speech, and uh, we will be efforting to get young Jim on the podcast uh, again, we just had a great time with the media credentials to the event and then uh, through a couple of sponsorship opportunities that the the very generous Mr. Needham put together for our crew. Uh, absolutely great experience on our part. Kind of going down the leaderboard a bit. Uh, Rafael Campos failed to get up and down on the 18th hole. A birdie would have put him into a playoff, as it turns out, with Jimmy Stanger. Uh, Nicholas Lindheim uh, shot the round of the day, 64, actually, to vault off the leaderboard. It was Tim Whiting who came into the day leading and could not muster more than a one under par 71. And, man, all week you had to go low. Uh, Stanger scores for the week, 67, 66, 67, 66, for a four-round total of 266, again, at 22 under par. Uh, rest of the top five after Compost and Lindheim, uh, Patrick Newcomb at 19 under, Noah Goodwin, an SMU product, 19-under. Alan Wagner, uh, the Argentinian, at 19-under. And then again, the aforementioned Tim Whiting at 19-under par. All finished T4 there at the the Jimmy. Local guys of note, uh, top finisher really from the state schools or with state ties would have been Chris Goderup, 13-under par. Uh, he really needed a low round on Sunday to get in contention, but he finishes at 13 under and at T21. Again, kind of scrolling the leaderboard also at 13 under par. Brendan Jelly, uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, uh, had a nice week, uh, T21. Again, our guy Logie Mack uh, probably put a little too much pressure on himself knowing that it was his home course. Uh, did not play up to his standards Kind of got screwed a little bit with the uh, weather delay that happened on Friday afternoon and delayed play for about four hours. Probably threw him out of a rhythm. Had to finish on Saturday morning and 
Uh, kudos to him for sticking with it and not WDing a lot of these guys when uh, they were out of it, ejected back to the, uh, the Airbnb or the hotel or a early flight to the next stop. Patrick Welch also had a nice week, his second start out on the Corn Ferry Tour again, fresh off University of Oklahoma golf season. He was seven under T58. Ross Steelman, a guy you might have seen on the NCAA championship coverage, had an ace. Yes, an ace on the two, get this, 242-yard par 3 15th hole there at Jimmy Austin. Again, I thought it played great. I thought the presentation of the golf course and of the tournament was excellent. Uh, food was good, just uh, all high marks from the year still out squad. So big shout-out to Rob Addington of Anera Sports. Uh, obviously, Tyler Woodward at Jimmy Austin and his superintendent, Cody Elwood. That place just looked great. So really, really enjoyed that experience. And, you know, not too far away up here in Springfield, Missouri, or up in Springfield, Missouri, I should say. Uh, probably the next closest chance you have to come and watch some Corn Ferry Tour golf at the Price Cutter Charity Championship. With that, want to bring in someone who has direct knowledge of the proceedings there at Jimmy Austin. Again, Brandon Hoff played in this week's event and want to bring him in to get his perspectives not only on this week, but his experience transitioning from the college game to the professional level. Hoff, welcome in to the You're Still Out podcast, bud. Good to see you. Good to see you too, JT. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Dude, thanks for jumping on. I know that um, this past week was, was kind of a marathon session between pro-am and practice rounds and the weather delay and all sorts of good stuff. So I, uh, I'm sure you're a little little wiped. So I appreciate you jumping on the pod. I'm excited to talk not only about the event, man, but uh, we got to meet during media day, I think it was, and just you know totally hit it off. So I, I think you're a super interesting dude. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy hearing your backstory and kind of what you're all about. So can, can we start there? Can you kind of give our listeners your uh, your sojourn from uh, your high school days to your time at Baylor and then going to ORU and then and then where you're at now? Yeah, no, for sure. And and we can also talk about the week uh, at the Corn Freights defend too, because from Monday to Saturday, it was chaotic. But uh, yeah, my background, uh, I'm originally from Austin, Texas. I grew up uh, playing with kids like uh, Cooper Dossie, Tobin Niblett, Daniel Martinez, um, Bo Hosler, Scotty Shep, like, you know, all those guys. Uh, so I was blessed to have a great community uh, that would kind of grow my game. And I was blessed enough to be practicing out at UT Golf Club, too, which is a great facility. Uh, so you'd see guys, you know, like Scotty Scheffler, Bo, Gavin Hall. Um, he's a stud. I mean, Doug Gim, you name it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I went to Vandergrift High School. We won several uh, 6A uh, state championships, 5A, 4A. I think we still hold the record. Uh, we won – 5A state by 65 stroke, 65 <laughs> or 68. So <laughs> uh, we were really good that year. Um, we had a great team. I think five, yeah, five out of the five guys were going to D1 schools. And then, yeah, from there, uh, committed to Baylor my, just before going in, into my junior year. So like sophomore, summer, junior year. And I know, I now know all the rules have changed and it makes me feel old, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, recruiting was, was way, way different back then, but yeah, so committed there, uh, and kind of the dream was to play for coach Mike McGraw, 
Um, he was originally at OSU for a while, and then uh, he had a lot of success success at Alabama, being the assistant coach. And uh, he kind of calls uh, that time of his life uh, a time where he went soul searching uh, and kind of found the the love of uh, the game of golf again and coaching. And then he's been at Baylor for oh man, he's getting old. And I can tell him that too. So, uh, yeah, for more than, more than a dozen years, I want to say. So had a great experience at, at Baylor, played lots of tournaments, won two big 12 match play, uh, championships, uh, while we were there, uh, I think three national championship visits. And then, um, the highest we rank were, we were second in the nation for golf week. Um, right before COVID hit which was, which was tough. I mean, that <laughs> team, tough. our team was, uh, we were vibing great. We was playing great. And I'll, I'll never forget. We were about to go to head to uh, the Valspar collegiate and play out at the Floridian. And oh, I was just chomping at the bit. All the boys were back cause we didn't get spring break off, but it's basically like a spring break down in Florida getting to play. Um, and it's a treat to get to play, play that course. But, yeah, so that was kind of unfortunate timing, but no, I loved uh, loved Coach McGraw, an amazing man. I kind of came in there, and he promised two two things to me. He's like, you know, or two goals, I should say, from my freshman year to my senior year, uh, that I become a better man than I than I once you know stepped foot on campus, and that I love the game of golf uh, more than I had entered. Uh, Baylor and I can say that um, I definitely loved and accomplished both of those goals uh, a lot you know a lot of my teammates were were great great friends he likes recruiting out of the state of Texas so I learned and played and hung out and had sleepovers with with a lot of my teammates way before we ever became teammates at Baylor so that was a really cool experience in four years and then I transferred and took advantage of my COVID fifth year at ORU, uh, which is a great, it, it's sneaky. One of the best uh, programs because for ORU, the first four years you have to live on campus, which is kind of weird. It's a very small school, um, lots of rules. Um, it's a little religious school, but uh, for if you're doing grad school there, you get to uh, live off campus uh, you have, I think, six hours <laughs> of school, so nothing, nothing really. Right. And you get a great opportunity to play. I think we play Southern Hills twice a week, Cedar Ridge, where they just had the, the Live event, the Patriot, all these great courses that, that Tulsa has. And uh, I guess one thing that I found out is Tulsa is the, like, heaven on earth for, for golf. So there's like so many great golf courses. The community loves golf and it's, it's really this past year has been a blessing. Uh, got, you know, my first collegiate win ended up having three, uh, collegiate wins when it was all said and done. And it was a great kind of jump start uh, and transition from my college, uh, golf to my professional, uh, golf. So well, tell, I want to. I could go so many different ways. We could spend a, literally a whole podcast just talking about your Baylor experience and your ORU experience. I feel like we uh, we might have to make this into a three part series. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to. So, but so let's let me let me start in I guess reverse order of what you just went over. I I do want to talk about 
the ORU experience from that perspective of that amazing set of golf courses that you got to play, A, right? And was that part of the recruiting pitch is my first question. Uh, And then two, it's a tangential question, or maybe it dovetails into going back to the Baylor stuff in, in just a minute. But when I watch all you guys play, right, and we're talking like from the highest level to, you know, you guys, you know, graduating out of ORU, like to the naked eye, and by naked eye, like I'm a golf sicko, right? Yeah. It's like, you're so good. Like, what is that difference, right, between an ORU, yeah, which is, um, you know, kind of a mid-major type golf program and golf school, to, to a Baylor? Is it as simple as there's, you know, all five guys at Baylor are no, number one bags at an ORU? Is it, um, is there a certain skill, you know, within the game of golf that, um, you got to have to play at that D one level and go on from there. So again, I know I'm throwing mm-hmm. a lot at you there. So let maybe go, what's the difference between ORU and, uh, kind of these powerhouse golf programs and then circle back to was the, uh, the golf course as part of the recruiting pitch. Okay. So I'll answer, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do first the, the pitch and kind of why I came to ORU. And so, um, Baylor was a great, uh, great place for me. And I had matured a lot, grown a lot. Um, as not only like a golfer, but just as a person and as a student and, you know, I, I loved my time there and it was kind of heartbreaking, uh, because COVID opened up some opportunities and actually years of eligibility. Right. So, I coach for is, is off. He's got, you know, all those scholarships and whatnot. Um, kind of just like this master plan situated, uh, for everyone to, to be taken care of. And he had a plan set from, you know, years one through four. Um, and you know, when you play better then he can bump it up even more, he didn't plan for me to be at Baylor for five years. Right. And so did I, I didn't plan on, <laughs> on being at Baylor for five years. And so I kind of looked at it and, um, it was going to be, I had a meeting with coach kind of in the fall end of fall semester. And I'm like, coach, you know, I, I'd love to be here and stay here. I love the guys, love the coaches, love coach Mick, uh, who's sneaky, one of the best assistant golf coaches in all of college golf. Yeah. I, I love it here and I want to be here. And they're, you know, coach McGraw was the same way. He's like, man, we love having you here. You, you're great for the team. And uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a whole lot of scholarship and I'm like, well, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I need a good amount of scholarship for the fifth year because Baylor ain't cheap. Kind of the, the, the tipping point on why I decided to was uh, the golf course in Waco that we play at Ridgewood country club. Great track. Uh, but it's only about 6,800 yards. Hmm. And that's like tipped. That was the tipping point. It was going to be renovated. And so I was like, if I'm going to spend all this money, like I need everything to be perfect and, uh, not being able to play the only golf course in Waco was a big, big red flag for me. So, um, I think a combination of that and then, uh, Baylor was just so comfortable for me. I was able to grow and be a great player, but like I knew I needed to grow in a lot of different ways, uh, mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, you know, all involved with golf. And I think I needed to, you know, I felt like I needed to take a leap 
uh, a leap of faith. And so I entered the transfer portal after all of that chaotic craziness. And that was in between four schools. It was USC, um, San Diego State, SDSU, uh, and then Sam Houston State. And then this little small school in Tulsa, Oklahoma that I had never even heard about, <laughs> Oral Roberts. So I was going to say, you know, I set up some visits to, to all four schools. ORU was kind of the first one because it was easy. It was only about like a five-hour drive. And so I was like, all right, I'll, you know, go up there. And I had a great time, met Coach uh, Timothy Broughton. And he's, you know, a big reason why I, I, I went to ORU. He's a great guy. Uh, man, his energy is contagious. Oh, he yeah. just loves what he does, and he loves golf, and he loves coaching. And you can just tell, like, like God created him to coach men's golf. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we recorded a pod with him, and it was like a – it was almost like full contact podcast. Like he was like just hyped to be there. Right. So I can tell oh, that, yeah. that would be contagious for his players. Yeah. So, uh, he was great. And I was like, this guy is so awesome. He, and I can learn so much from him. Uh, and it's going to be so great. And then another thing that was really great is they showed me, and it was, it was funny. It was actually a week before the PGA was being played at Southern. Oh, and wow. so they must've pulled, um, yeah, they they uh, they showed me around all the golf courses, and then they're like, "Yeah, Southern Hills isn't giving anyone access to the golf course, but uh, we made it happen. We're gonna let you, you know, walk around the the grounds and see all the tents set up and everything. Uh, we had to make a couple calls, and and we'll take care of you." And I'm like, "All right, bet." So they made me uh, feel like royalty, which was great. You know, seeing all those amazing golf courses and not having that in Waco for for four years was very, very appealing as well. So I felt like, like ORU, I was equipped and learned all or a lot of what I needed to, uh, at Baylor. And, and so ORU was kind of, uh, all right, it's time to, to use all those tools and that knowledge and that wisdom and that talent and, you know, go on uh, PGA tour caliber golf courses and get better, uh, from that standpoint. So, uh, yeah, we had a great two day visit, and, uh, then I went home and I remember talking to my dad. I'm like, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I had ORU as like the fourth ranked school out of, out of all the, uh, those four that I was kind of interested yeah, in. Yeah. It was, it was my last choice and hearing the program, you know, six hours online, uh, you know, basically build my own schedule. Uh, how I thought of it actually was, was kind of like, it was what it, what, it, what does life look like for a PGA tour professional, I would be able to kind of call my own shots and work out when I want and, you know, manage my nutrition and do all that stuff, but then still, uh, play for a collegiate team. So I was really, really, um, appealed to, to that, that opportunity. And so I had family in Tulsa, uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma, and that made the decision a little bit easier and kind of the, the rest is history. Cause my next visit was at Sam Houston state. And I'm like, man, I just, I really liked ORU for some reason. And then I was supposed to fly out at, to USC and I'm like, there's no need to like, I, I know that this is a great spot for me to grow and looking back, like it really was. So I called up coach Broughton and uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. Cause I called him and you know how, how high energy he is. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, for sure. 
he's jumping all the world, uh, jumping off all the walls. And so I'm calling him and he's like, man, I'm, I'm shaking. You're going to make me cry. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> so, uh, it was a, it was a cool experience, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, um, I hope that answers the first question. Yeah. Yeah, so, it does. No, for then, sure. And I think that I didn't know that until I went and interviewed coach Broughton that, ORU got to play all those courses. And, I mean, it's very prominent in yeah. the, uh, the Clerico practice center. Like, you walk in, and there's these beautiful pictures of all the golf courses you get to play. So it's like, whoa. I mean, it hits you in the face, literally. And then getting to go on a recruiting visit to those courses and see them in person, if that's a decision, uh, deciding factor, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. And, yeah, so get, 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 get me into the, the side of it to where – like going from a D one somewhat powerhouse golf program to ORU, like what is what are the differences? Because again, it's like you guys all look amazing. Like all five guys when I watch ORU, I went out and hauled a tournament. They're great, amazing golfers. Like what is that separator to get from that level to D one? If you're looking at it like that, yeah, I think oh man, golf is such a fickle game, um, and you know you you have heard stories kind of like when Patrick Reed was at a Augusta state, like, you know, they, they weren't, they were a mid major for a while and they, they racked off a couple of national championships. Um, obviously if you're going to a big D one school at like Baylor, um, all the nutrition, like you have your own cafeteria, you have all the trainers, you have all the resources, you have everything, um, at your fingertips. The facilities are fancier. The schedule is a little bit stronger. The funds are more. You're getting more swag. And at ORU, I wouldn't necessarily say the talent is much different. It can be. Um, and of course, we played. We played against Baylor actually this year, uh, which, funny enough, it was like a 36-hole one-day deal. Um, and I think ORU only lost by like nine shots yeah it's just i think you can find talent everywhere but you're right at baylor everyone can be a one bag like we would always say like you know who's your one bag uh any guy from one through about seven can be our one bag and so we never it's funny because that was like a high school turn like oh you know who's your one bag uh but even then all five of us in high school were so good so it would kind of just like switch every week, you know, whoever was playing yeah, best playing and best. then same at Baylor, you know, who you, exactly. So uh, it was very, very, it was a very competitive environment, which is great. Um, Cause in order to get to the next level, you need to compete day in, day out. Even when you don't have your best stuff, find a way to, to be able to score and, or else you're not traveling. And that was the case at Baylor and uh, or you, it was a little bit different just because I was so used to how highly competitive it was in qualifying at tournaments. Like it was very cutthroat and um, you know, I slipped into ORU and, and we had, you know, five guys that were very, very good and very, very capable. Um, and some guys that could have easily uh, either were at like, cause Lane was at a, a power five. He was at OU for four and a half years. And then, um, Rocco Repetto Taylor, he's, he is insane. Like, Oh, are you hit the jackpot when, <laughs> when they recruited him? Cause he's developed into, uh, into a really great, great player. Um, super talented, 
uh, man, he drives the ball straight and far. He is, it is very impressive. Like I've seen a lot of people at the power five level and even they don't hit it as good as he hits it. I know who Rocco is, but give his full name for our listeners who aren't as dialed into ORU golf. Yes. Yes. So Rocco Repetto Taylor is his full name and he's a Spaniard. Uh, but you wouldn't really know because he's kind of have, he's like half, uh, Spanish and half, uh, Irish. So it's like this really weird, like Spanish, <laughs> Irish, uh, twang that he has, but he can, he can speak Spanish. So, um, but yeah, he, he's a, he's a goofball. He's basically a, uh, 12 year old in like a 25 year old body. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's jacked. He's tall. He's like six foot one. He's lean. Uh, he's been, you know, working hard in the gym for about three years now. Uh, he's going to be a senior. So, um, he's already done great things this summer over in Spain. So I expect great things from him. Um, kind of this, this upcoming fall and spring. And he actually, I'll call it right now on the podcast. He will get his first, uh, collegiate win, uh, this year. It's crazy that he hasn't had it yet. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's had, he's started every event for ORU, uh, freshman, uh, sophomore and junior year. So, but yeah, he'll get his first collegiate win this year. All right. We're marking that down for um, sure. Uh, not not too much pressure on it, but, uh, we'll, uh, We'll have our Rocco for president signs out at every ORU event. Um, well, okay. Good transition from your time at ORU to the connector to the Corn Ferry Tour while you were at ORU. And that is one of those events that you guys play in each and every year. Uh, the Clerico, uh, named after the family that supports the golf program at such a high level. Talked about your sponsor exemption into the compliance solutions championship i believe it was for winning the clerico that earned you that sponsor exemption is that is that track that is yes that is correct so uh and that was kind of a that wasn't even in the cards when i was recruited that just kind of developed that was a pretty late development i got the sponsorship sponsorship exemption to the compliance solutions championship corn free event. It's the first corn free event, uh, in Oklahoma. And I got that through winning, uh, the individual title of the Clerico collegiate. So that was back in October and we got some crazy weather, but yeah, I, I dueled it out with uh, a good buddy of mine, Luke Kluver. We had a playoff and I, I, you know, I ended up coming out on top. So it was, uh, it was really cool and it didn't sink in for a while. It kind of took, took a couple weeks to, to hit, but it was really, really cool experience. Well, let's get into it then last week, uh, down at, at the Jimmy as, uh, as they call it, uh, for again, first corn ferry tour event in the state of Oklahoma, uh, played out over four days last week. I know that you had had, and we talked about this at media day, you had some experience at, at Jimmy Austin, uh, some good vibes there. So talk a little bit about that, but then talk about, I mean, you're making your debut right on the corn Ferry tour professional, uh, turning pro, you know, come off of conference back in, back in May. And this is your first event. So not only talk about the prior experience at Jimmy, but just the, I will just call it the overall experience of your first professional golf event. I love it. Yeah. So Jimmy Austin, I have great vibes because um, back in 2020 and it was a cool opportunity 
Uh, I shot 74, 71. Uh, it's par 72 out there. And it was, it was a 36 hole, 18 format. So I shot 74, 71 the first day. It was hot. It was steamy. Like I had, you know, I had played pretty poorly in the first round, but I thought 71 would kind of boost me up the leaderboard. And then Quaid uh, Cummins as uh, a OU golfer, he came into the clubhouse. He shot like, I think 75, uh, the first round and he had shot, uh, 64, <laughs> eight under, <laughs> uh, in the blazing heat. He had just gotten the course record because before that it was Max McGreevy. Uh, and before that it was Jordan Spieth. So I think Jordan shot like five under and then Max shot six, six under and then Quaid shot eight under. And so the media was going up to him. They're like, Hey, you know, we'll get your picture. We'll get your scorecard. I'll, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll set you up and put your scorecard right in the clubhouse. He didn't get his picture. Didn't sign the scorecard or anything like that. So the next day I go out and beat that course record. <laughs> I shoot 63. So, uh, and with the, with a bogey on two, I was one over through two and then proceeded to make nine birdies. Um, or excuse me, 10 birds. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 10 bird. And, and it's, it sounds, uh, very, very, um, greedy of me, but I, I, I still left a couple out there. Like my <laughs> putter was so hot and they're like, they're like some, some 10 footers. Like I missed a five footer and I'm like, ah, oh, man, like you were, you were close, uh, to 59. <laughs> we as golfers are sick, man. You shoot 63 break the course record set the day before and you walk off disappointed. I mean, that's, that's the definition of a sick. Okay. Out. Okay. Not disappointed, but I was like, man, like 59 was, was right there, <laughs> but, uh, it felt good. It felt good to, uh, hold the course record. Um, and it felt good. Quay didn't even hold the course record for, uh, 24 hours. So, um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and he never got to take his picture. Yeah, it was super cool. So I took the picture, you know, got a got, uh, a picture of myself in the clubhouse, and then I signed my scorecard. And at the time, I was a Baylor Bear, uh, so I wrote real big, you know, Brandon Hoff, Sikkim Bears, uh, and and the Jimmy Austin or the Jimmy is the the home course for the uh, University of Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that was always uh, that was always fun. Yeah, I'm curious about the the whole experience again. First pro event, kind of, I don't know your expectations uh, of your play versus how you played. And spoiler alert, uh, you know, Behoff did did not make it to the weekend, or did not make it to the third round. I guess I should say you made it to the weekend. But but expectations uh, versus how it turned out, and then yeah, just as much as you want to hum on about just uh, the experience in general. I'll kind of take it day by day. Um, so first off, I'll, I'll kind of tell you the expectations. I've been playing great golf uh, at ORU, and I've been trending um, up this entire year. So since kind of back in like since September of 2022. Um, so uh, I, always, I, I always hold myself to pretty high expectations, and I thought, you know, it was really cool that, two other guys who had just graduated college had gotten a win. And I definitely saw myself being, being the third one that week. So, um, I, as far as an expectation go, like 
I mean, I wanted to win. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned so, so much this week. Uh, and I learned that a lot of the things that I was able to do in college at the collegiate level, but professional golf, especially on the corn ferry, um, it's way different. We're getting to be good buds here. And so I feel comfortable interrupting you. I hear that a lot. Oh man, I learned a lot this week, yeah. you know, learning experience took a lot away. Give us, give us like a tangible example. Right. So give it, give us one thing like, man, I learned, like I either won't do that again or next time I'm going to do this again, you know, do this differently. Get, can you, can you, can you pluck something out of the, uh, the learning tank here and, and give us an example of what guys are talking about when they say I learned so much this week? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that I was able to take away from this week is you got to prep like a pro in order to play like a pro. Okay. And, um, in college, you don't necessarily prep like a professional all the time. Uh, cause you have life, you got school, you have friends and, um, it's just that huge juggling act between academics, sports and social life. Okay. And so, um, professional golf is very different because everyone is, you know, so, so much better. You're, you're, it's basically, it is your work. It is your job. It is your lifestyle mm -hmm. and um, just kind of living that and embracing that. Uh, a lot of people, like everyone does it on tour. They're practicing all the time. They're prepping. They're doing the right things for their body. Uh, they're eating the right things. Um, they're not going to, you know, hang out with friends uh, a week before for the tournament. Um, and then there's like a balance for sure, but it's, uh, it's very, um, there's a hyper focus as far as the prep goes uh, and everything matters, everything, you know, from like sleep to, um, you know, prepping your mental, all that stuff is very, very important because everyone's so good and everyone's going so low. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that provides like a clear answer, but uh, I mean, it sounds I like you're hanging out at the Mont early in the week, uh, having a swirl or two and you should have been getting it better. Like, that's what I'm hearing. No, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, now that I've graduated ORU, I, yes, I have had a couple center swirls and the Mont is amazing. Uh, my girlfriend and I love going there. Um, but I did not have any leading up to it, but definitely after. So, and I think also another thing to mention is confidence. Oh my goodness. Like these guys are all so confident. Um, a lot of the PGA tour guys are humble and, and they still are, are uh, confident, but it's almost like a cockiness on the corn Ferry tour. Um, you got all these guys, you know, a lot of them aren't physically fit or a lot of them are, are, you know, five foot, five foot three, five foot five. And they're, they're walking with their chest out <laughs> and, um, you know, like they own the place Yeah, because they need to have, they understand they need to have that confidence because Every single week, if you want to be not only making the cut, but in the top 25 or uh, in the running to get your PGA Tour card, you cannot have any doubt in your mind whatsoever. So um, you got to will the golf ball in the hole. Your putting's always got to be hot. Your confidence has got to be at an all-time high. And, yeah, you see that a lot. Um, just kind of people walking from the, the parking lot to, to the range. A lot of cockiness, a lot of confidence. So.
So, yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't have thought about it like that. And I, I honestly, I, I'm glad that you said that because I have I noticed that this week. I mean, I've been to both PGA Tour events and now a Corn Ferry event. I believe this is my first Corn Ferry event. And it did seem flipped. It seemed like these Corn Ferry guys, you Corn Ferry guys, I have to lump you in there now, are like That's yeah, right. cock of the walk kind of thing here and, you know, very just, you know, irrational confidence. Where it's like, man, you got, I mean, come on, guys. You guys are just, you know, fresh out of college. Or, or for some of these guys, like, the confidence from, you know, they're struggling out there for six years in a row. We'll get to that winner, by the way, who was struggling for six years before getting the win. So that's interesting because you're right. right. PGA Tour events, it's kind of like, and I don't know, maybe that's a, maybe they get a little complacent, but it sure seems like they work hard. But that I would call that irrational confidence. And maybe that's a sports psychologist still. Maybe these guys have, go to a psychologist and say, we're going to fake it till we make it. The one thing I will say is a lot of those guys work very, very hard. So I think a lot of their confidence uh, comes from their preparation, yeah. and those two kind of go hand in hand. But you can you can tell uh, based on their actions, uh, you know how much they care. Uh, about what they're doing. Well, let's go to the course itself. I'm curious how you thought it played this week. Again, played the Pro-Am myself on Wednesday. And I kid you not, dude, we we were a pretty solid group of golfers. We lost three balls, drives, (laughs) that were not more than two yards off the fairway. I know for, I played Jimmy a ton. I know the lines out there. These balls were not more than two yards off the fairway. Lost the golf ball. To see 22 under happen when the course is set up like that, kind of went from, I predicted 21-22 under would win on last week's pot. Yeah. Play the Pro-Am, and I'm like, I was way off. I'm going to look like a fraud. <laughs> Logie Max trying to tell me it's going to be, you know, you know, eight, nine under par. Man, this they haven't seen a course like this. 22 under par. Give me your impressions of the difficulty of Jimmy Austin last week, and then how in the heck can you guys go out there and shoot five, six under par each day? The course was definitely a little bit trickier, uh, but again, like I had so much confidence from the last time I had fe- uh, stepped foot on uh, Jimmy. Well, actually, the last time was media day when we went out, and yeah. it was a stripe show. I mean, I. I played really, really well that day as well. And and I didn't even count. I remember you asking me, you're like, Hey, how many under do you shoot? I'm like, I don't know, like somewhere between like two and six, like, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't keep score. It's Cause we were vibing. Uh, man. But, but yeah, they, we, we, we were, so I got your little cotton candy tees and I actually <laughs> saw more, uh, out there. So there's someone else that was using your tees. They're, they're a hot commodity, JT. I'm going to have to get some more from you. Gorilla marketing. But, yeah. Well, We'll, That's right. we'll we'll pay you and we'll pay you a sponsorship of two Mont swirls to to carry our tees exclusively. It's a it's a great deal. Yeah, two Monts. That's all you need. Two Mont swirls, and then you're good. So, and the queso is to die oh, for. God, but that's what, oh, that's that's my girlfriend's and I's favorite spot. We always go there. She always gets like the salad, and I'll always try something new. But yeah, the, that is like that is actually um, a Norman staple. Oh, yeah. If you don't go there. It's it's criminal. Yeah, you would so. you would think at this point the Mont is a sponsor of this podcast. They're not, 
but they but they could be. No, uh, the, the, the lines are the lines Not are open. Yet, JT. The lines of communication are open. <laughs> you know, send us a DM. We would love to talk to you guys. You say it. You know, you, you played so well on media day. Did, did, did the course change a lot from when we played it in what mid May ish to to late June? And then did you think it was hard? I did not think it was hard. Uh, the rough they grew. So here, I'll tell you the, the changes first. Um, obviously, when we played during media day, there was a ton of uh, winter kill. Right. The majority of the the course was green in great shape, but there was a lot of winter kill because um, Norman had, along with the entire state of Oklahoma, had a brutal winter. So for them to flip, uh, what was that? Yeah, just just um, under a month of time to make it uh, as, as good looking as it was and uh, as healthy as all the grass was like kudos to, to them uh, and the stu- superintendent out there at Jimmy Austin, because uh, a lot of people probably couldn't have done w- what he did, but uh, yeah. So the, the course, the greens were faster. They were firmer com- um, come tournament week compared to media day rough. They uh, grew in the rough, um, so they made a lot of fairways skinnier. And the rough, I want to say it was cool. They gave, like, a whole, like, agronomy report on, like, you get, like, this little player packet, and you have everything. You got all your schedule of events, when everything opens, lunch, breakfast, sponsor deals, like, all that stuff. People need to know, phone numbers. And at the end, they give you an agronomy report. And I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, you've made it when they have like an agronomy <laughs> report and they're saying like, oh, you know, greens are, are X, Y, and Z and there's no first cut. And, you know, the fairways are 0.75, like all, all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, basically the big difference was they, they grew out the rough, um, sped up the greens, made them a little bit firmer and uh, shrink the fairways a little bit. So, uh, but no, I, it was kind of tough because in my prep, I, I went nine, nine, nine. So I played the front nine on Monday, the back nine on Tuesday, and then the prime on Wednesday. And I, I learned another thing is uh, you can't play uh, without a caddy out there. So my, my buddy who was going to caddy me, Lane Wallace, he was in the Monday qualifier. Wait a second. That was a, re- uh, kind of revelation to you that you can't play without a caddy. I, I hope you well, found that out before Monday. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I fresh out of college is my first tour pro start. And I get, you know, to fill in all my information out and they're like, yeah, you know, are you playing today? And I'm like, yep. Uh, my caddy's coming in tomorrow and they're like, Oh, uh, well you need a caddy. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I have one, but he's coming Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, not Monday. (laughs) And they're like, well, you can't play then. And so I'm like, well, shoot. So I go talk to the caddy master and he's like, well, you know, I got guys, you know, you can hire for the week. I'm like, no, I just like, I need one for one day literally nine holes. <laughs> right. And he's like, well, I don't have anything for you. And then he's like, hold on, wait a second. Uh, do you mind it being a high schooler? And I'm like, I have no problem whatsoever. I just need someone to care. You want to carry my bag? Yeah. Like I was just, I was just like Oprah out there. Like you want a car, you want a car, you want a caddy, you want a caddy. Like I just needed anyone. 
So they had just had a high school pro-am in the morning. Uh, and I had this guy, uh, Kaysen, shout out Kaysen. He was from Moore, Oklahoma, okay. plays out at Belmar. Okay. And he looped for me for nine holes. So after, after he'd already played ten, uh, 18 holes. So, uh, yeah, shout out Kaysen. I'll have to, I'll have to, um, he'll see it once, once I, I post our, our episode on the gram, but, uh, yeah, Kaysen, I appreciate your hard work. And Lane Wallace. Lane was great this this week. But, uh, yeah, so uh, tip for all the people that are having their pro debut, you always must have a caddy. Even if it's nine hole, like, you have to have a caddy. Oh I thought I was just able to loop my own bag, but no. Uh, so, yeah, that was a funny, funny kind of story within itself. And then Tuesday was great. Got to see uh, what what's cool is – is I was never really, um, I get first tee jitters, but I wasn't really nervous um, kind of going into the week. I knew a lot of the guys. I was friends with a lot of the guys in junior golf and at the collegiate level. So um, I got to hang out and played the back nine with Parker and Pearson, Cootie. Oh, cool. Uh, they're great guys. And then uh, we cut off William Mao, come play with us, and we played a little game. And uh, they're all like all three uh, really great guys. Uh, I've known the Cootie brothers for a while, and yeah, it just it's uh, it was cool to kind of see like old old friends again. Uh, but yeah, that was good. And Tuesday, and then the pro on Wednesday was awesome. All right, tell me, I'll talk uh, pro am partners, you guys, because you know we we didn't get you, which is disappointing. But who who did you play uh, with? I know, and you don't have to remember their names, but like. Cause I've heard some horror yeah, stories so, on pro-ams. Like it's a total mixed <laughs> bag out there. Yeah. So I had three, which I got advice from, uh, what's it? Rico Hoy. Yep, Hoy? Yep. Yeah. Rico Hoy. Because I had never done like a, a pro-am. He's like, yeah, dude, you just gotta go out there, have fun. And I clearly know how to do that, but, um, they're like, yeah, just, they love it when you ask them to like get out of the cart and just walk with them. So, um, they would like switch it up. Like one, every hole, uh, would walk with me. And like, we just talk about life, sports, golf, business, all that stuff. But yeah, so I got, uh, I got to play with three gentlemen. One guy, uh, was Phil Donnelly is the VP of, uh, Veritex bank. Daryl from compliance solutions, okay. uh, was an absolute stick. <laughs> Uh, he was the highest handicap and he's like, yeah, you know, I used to play ba uh, baseball back in the day. Uh, he played actually at OU and he's, he's like, yeah, I'm not that good at golf. And he's over here hitting like 280 yard drives. I'm like, uh, -huh. <laughs> like bull crap. You're, you're pretty solid at golf, my sir. So dude, the guys uh, that work for the accounting firms, you got to watch them, man. The sandbaggers. They know how to move those numbers they, around. <laughs> Well, it's a very cool way to get sponsors and donors and supporters just connected to the game of golf. And, you know, for better or for worse, people burn a lot of money on golf. I know that there's a lot of great causes out in the world <laughs> that, uh, that dollars could be spread around to. But folks love golf and, and want to uh, pour money into it. And uh, I will say, and again, as a kind of wearing a lot of different hats between being a media member last week and being part of a sponsor crew and playing in the pro-am. That's really what it's all about is getting to hang out with uh, professional golfers and 
get to get to know them and get to know y'all stories and, and get to watch you hit amazing golf shots that none of us are capable of hitting and uh, inspire us to go waste money at the driving range trying to get better. <laughs> um, so talk to me about a couple things here on kind of what your uh, the rest of your 2023 looks like. I'm sure it's a little bit, uh, it depends, could be the answer here, because sponsors exemptions are going to play into that. Uh, just give us an example, uh, not example, give us a state of kind of your status on the different tours, what you know you're going to play in, what you're hoping to play in, just kind of wherever you want to take it. I know that most of the time when we have somebody on the pod who is uh, trying to make it out there, our, our listeners turn around and like to uh, – keep track of how you're doing. Yeah, no, I think, um, good luck to all the listeners out there. Cause it's just chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> um, as every professional, uh, schedule usually is. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be traveling all over the United States. I think I got, um, a tournament out in Colorado. I'm going to play the, the Colorado state open, Texas state open, Oklahoma state open, uh, gonna play a couple corn Ferry Mondays. I'll play the one in New Jersey, the one in Missouri, the one in Illinois, but which I was talking to one of the, the guys who, um, works, he's like a, in charge of the, the truck, the corn Ferry truck. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, which is really, really cool within itself. I mean, that's a whole entire episode. Dude, it's, it is absolutely with, sick. Yeah. Isn't it? It yeah. is so cool. What was your, what was it? I'll, I'll kind of flip the switch here, uh, flip the roles. What was like the coolest thing for you, uh, out of the, the van? Cause there were so many cool things and I'll share mine after yours, but what's I mean, the one thing that just stuck out? I thought the coolest thing was the big cooler that is in there that like has to be, I'm not a, I'm really not a huge, uh, drinker, uh, per se. However, it, it always has to be filled with beer, like at all times, like it's like a non-negotiable yes. deal. So that's kind of cool for, you know, post especially when it's hot, the guys can go in there and, and grab a beer or whatever. But mm -hmm. the coolest thing about it is every winner signs the cooler, right? So it's going from yeah. city to city. I thought that was cool. Kind of a, you know, in golf, we have a lot of traditions and some what, superstitions or whatever. And I, I thought that was a unique um, thing that is quintessentially corn fairy tour that I had never heard of happening. And I got to, got to see the cooler and see all the stickers that are on it and all the signatures that are on it, which, uh, was, was pretty cool. But that, that I could pick about from a five things from the truck because that thing, I explained it as a, um, I explained it to folks as a RV, the size of a semi truck trailer. Yeah, that's it. And it's kind of like a museum. In the sense, too, yeah, it's, it's like an RV museum, like brains of the Corn Ferry Tour, home away from home for the players. Like, it's all, it is everything. <laughs> like, it's not just one category. But, no, I think uh, the cooler, uh, they call it the Great White. It is cool. It's like this white igloo um, cooler. It's always stacked with beer. Uh, Stan Suber is the guy who fills it up. Uh, I called him Mr. Super and he's like, nah, don't call me that. So, but he says, yeah, I don't make any uh, special beer requests except for one person, one person, one person only. And that person is Boo Weekly. 
Moo <laughs> Weekly is <laughs> is a corn fairy tour truck regular. I mean, he comes in there every Monday and Tuesday to start the week off right. And, you know, he could be there for 30 minutes and have one beer, or he could be there for an hour and have, I don't know how, I mean, it, it's probably dangerous, the amount of beers that that man could have. So <laughs> I, uh, I did get to see Boo when he came into the uh, media center slash physio uh, trailer or, or room. He, mm-hmm. was, he was getting worked over, so he must have... Uh, had one too many out of the cooler from the day before. Man, what a what a legend in general that guy is. Uh, but yeah, the trailer, pretty 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 sick. So again, you're gonna have to. It sounds like the main route on the corn ferry events this summer is gonna be Monday queuing. And again, for our neophyte yeah. listeners, that is the Monday of each corn ferry tour week. There is a Monday qualifier at a local golf course that guys can. Uh, play well enough to to get into that week's event sounds like several state opens i need to look up for our listeners when the oklahoma open is it's It's late late august August. yeah late august and it's out at uh oak tree the family side i think it's the west course okay so they got oak tree east and west and i want to say it's at the west so well that is a great time to get out and see the hoff uh, play some golf again this could turn in it's what my the founder Keith Needham calls megapod status. I, I promise, I don't want to shortchange you, but I know it's also evening. I don't want to take too much of your time uh, this evening, but I can't let you out of here without us playing uh, the game we play with all of our guests. That is called the short par four. It's very simple. Okay. I'm going to ask you four questions: golf, golf adjacent, and uh, kind of first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, and if you, you know, if you need to provide some context, great. But it's a relatively quick hitting series here, so we love short par fours. Yeah. Favorite hole, Jimmy Austin, would be number three. Yeah. So I have a question. Actually, you say short par four. Like, how short are we talking? Have we specified like how short it is? Like, is it drivable or this you know, is, like, uh, can you kind of just get a little flip wedge in? Like, yeah, how, what are we talking about here? We're we're probably talking about flip a flip wedge in. Yeah, we're not we're not driving it. It's not a drivable okay. par four. It's, it's a short, yeah. short par four. Um, which again, okay. we all know pars are relevant, right? I mean, some might say that uh, the par three fifteenth hole at Jimmy this week really played more as a Ooh. par four. Some might say number three. Yes and no. I mean, Ross in like a four iron from like two sixty four and made a hole in one. So that that was impressive. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe that, I don't know. That's it? like but, a yeah. triple birdie uh, <laughs> for the. <laughs> So I, I will say we have to <laughs> yeah, take, we easy, have to get easy. through all four questions, and so you're gonna have to hit four shots. Maybe if you if you give such an amazing answer, yes. maybe the fourth one will be like you picking the ball out of the hole on your birdie putt. Okay, I, I love the. Or if uh, I could combine like all four together, just a nice little <laughs> albatross on the short par four. <laughs> yeah, we'll we could take it wherever you want to, man. I, I love you're the first one in 200 and something episodes that has. Uh, Really broken down the short par four to the. I can tell you're an analytical guy. Really appreciate that. We're, uh, we have to we Sometimes. have to hit a tee shot no matter what. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up here on the short four. Tell us about your last round of golf. Uh, it would have been Saturday. So Saturday, I only got it wasn't a full round, but um, got 12 holes in, and within those 12 holes. I chipped in once, 
um, I made a putt off the green for birdie, and then I had five looks at birdie within 10 to 15, 10 to 20 feet and didn't make any of them. So kind of sums up golf, fickle game, kind of crazy. I don't know if that. And that was the last 12 <laughs> holes of your second round at the corner. Yes, that, that, okay. that was, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. You get, you're off the tee. You're off the tee. You know, it, it kind of ballooned up in the air. So you got a little bit of a it, longer shot. It in. Did, a little flyer, yeah. Yeah. A fly, flyer a off, the, off the tee. So we're going to ask you here, and this is tough. This is really tough. You, you know, you, these are your peers now out on the professional golf circuit, but let's mm-hmm. take it back to, to two months ago when you're, when you're just a young college kid who out on tour, whatever tour do you find yourself wanting to root against. Okay. So, um, I have, I don't really root against anyone. Um, but the one guy, I don't know, you definitely know him. Um, but he was just, he's just, uh, he's on the live tour. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's a former, uh, OSU golfer. Okay. Okay. And I am not the only one, uh, when I say this, but, uh, Eugenio, Eugenio Shakara, yeah. uh, he is the one guy that I just despise. Uh, he, he I, like, I'll give him one thing and he works super, super hard. I've never seen anyone, you know, practice as much as he does, but he is just a classless act. Like, so he, he'll just, I can't say some of the stuff. I don't, I don't want to do that to him, but some of the things that he, he said when, you know, competing against or just like in practice rounds, uh, especially at the match play, like he had, he said some things I'd be canceled if I, if I shared <laughs> on the, on the podcast, but he's just, yeah, he's not the classiest guy, very cocky. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's one guy for sure that, um, I guess I, I root against. So. Hey, you know, I, I I've heard I've heard those things uh, about our guy Eugenio. Um, yeah, but good for him. Got a little jingle in his pocket now. I'm sure he's mellowed out quite a bit. That's All right, right. Uh, birdie putt. We we love we love we love flaming Eugenio. So we're gonna say you knocked it in there pretty close here on the, on the short four. I know. I was uh, about to say, I was like a nippy little like low two two hop stop check, and I'm I'm sitting sitting tight. You're looking so. you're looking real good. Uh, it checked just past the hole, so you got a a little bit of a downhiller here, uh, a short birdie putt. You only get one more round of golf to play in your entire life. Where are you going to play that round of golf? What golf course? Now, the caveat is you have to have played the golf course that you choose before. Okay, I got it. And also, have you answered this question? Because I feel like, I mean, you've played amazing golf courses, so that would be a tricky question for you, but... Well, let's let um, you finish out. You know, you're in there tight. I've, I'm okay. over in the weeds looking no, for my no, ball. No. Okay, give me, give me a break here, Brandon. <laughs> so uh, I would have to say, gosh, there's so many good ones. I wish I had the opportunity to play the course out at Boiling Springs uh, because it looks amazing. But um, uh, it's a course out in Virginia, uh, Robert Trent Jones. Um, it is so awesome. I got to go play out there with one of my friends, Bill Reduschel, and there was no one on the property. It is so, so, so crispy, so flushy. Everything about it is so good. The bunkers are perfect. Fairways are perfect. Greens are bent. 
um, Obama actually and his Secret Service were out there playing golf. Yeah, so it was just like them and then another member and then Bill and I. So uh, that was that was really really cool. And I think they have like this the infamous par three. I want to say it's hole twelve maybe. But uh, yeah, it's it's so gorgeous. We had great weather that day, and that is the course that uh, it's to die for. So if you've never played it, which you've played a lot of places, I've not played it. Though. Go out there. Uh, you know what? Okay, I'm going to well, give you... Barack a call and see if maybe he has an opening in his next yeah. uh, Saturday game, and I'll just go out and, and hang out with uh, number you know 44. That's right. Well, I I heard they're looking for one more, so you might be able to. You got to get on it right after we get off this this pod. I've but, already I've uh, already sent a text. I've already sent a text. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anytime you can work Barack Obama into a uh, a golf answer here in the short part four, you clearly hold the putt, and so you're gonna you're gonna pluck that ball right out of the hole by telling us we're making a movie about the golf life of Brandon Hoff. You're gonna be a famous golfer soon. But in the meantime, what famous golfer is going to play you in the movie? Ooh, I think it's a combination between, I think I'd have to go, if you could like mash together like an Arnold Palmer, a Scotty Scheffler, and a Ricky Fowler together, that'd wow. be like, that'd be Brandon Hoff. Cause wow. you got Ricky Fowler. He's a fan favorite, you know, will sign autographs till the sun goes down. And then uh, Scotty Scheffler, a uh, great dude, man of faith, uh, really is rooted in um, his spiritual life and has a passion for for God and loves Jesus. And um, I think that would that would really kind of work well and kind of what what I'm all about. And then Arnold Palmer, I mean, the king, like he created uh golf to what it really is today and and changing it in uh, a massive way whether it was uh creating crazy crowds or advertising uh, products like i mean he was just he embodied it all so yeah that's a very long answer again but uh <laughs> i tend to do that but yeah scotty ricky and the king all matched together i mean that that would be an amazing human right there. If you, if you could cobble, cobble those, those guys. Yeah, you, you just set yourself some pretty high expectations there, big guy. But uh, getting to know you a little bit, I have no doubt that you will reach those and more. You mentioned Boiling Springs. I got to give a shout out to College Golf Fellowship having a event at Boiling Springs at the end of July that we're going to do something for. So if... Uh, if you're looking to see really? some high-level golfers play an amazing golf course, uh, end of July, I think it's the 28th through the 30th, uh, the boys are descending on okay. Boiling Springs from College Golf Fellowship. So that may be your chance if you're not otherwise engaged <laughs> in uh, one of your one of your many travels. Dude, this was awesome. I, I, I say this to a lot of guests, and I mean it to those guests. I could talk to you for hours about golf, yes, about life. Uh, a combination of the two. I appreciate you giving me some time. I, I, I promise you we'll get in your hip pocket at some point during 2023 and watch you play some golf and make some birdies. And uh, we'll happily have you back on the pod for parts two, three, 67, however many it takes uh, for life and golf with Brandon Hoff. I love it. Well, thank you again for having me on JT. I mean, 
you're the man. And uh, yeah, you're right. We could talk. If we started a podcast, it, it, we could be like a Joe Rogan episode type <laughs> podcast. Like we start at 7 a.m. in the morning and we'd finish at around, we'd have like breakfast, lunch, and uh, you know, maybe an old fashioned before we had dinner. And then, yeah, before you know, we have a 12 hour podcast. <laughs> uh, I mean, so. it's, the, it's the all day pod with JT and Hoff. I think there's a future there. Uh, it'll we'll have to, it'd be a premium subscription folks. So you got to dole out the, uh, the credit cards, but we will make it happen. Uh, it is hot out there guys, but it's never too hot. If you prepare well, as our, as our young man Hoff told us, you got to have preparation. You can still get outside and enjoy that walk. Yeah.